It's really good for us to get a chance to come out and, and play like this in a real kind of intimate environment like this, you know. You're no, so does yours is just about to be a cheap. I know where you are. I was talking to your mother tonight before I came here. She said to me, by the way, if you happen to see my retarded son tonight, tell him not to fuck with your show. But you may not recognise her when you get home because I shaved her back. All right, everyone, we are actually back from our Christmas celebratory hangovers, whatever you want to call them. We have sufficiently recovered at least enough to come back and do a brand new episode of The Great Divide, The Great Divide podcast. This is episode 66, as Fine said, the baby of the beast. So will we get to 666? I seriously doubt it, but this will have to do for now. So Anyway, it's good to be back, and it's good to have you back, Swine. Welcome. How are you doing? It's good to be back. I'm doing better now. And I think uh, we did say that we would have a long break. So uh, I think uh, for once this was expected, and we needed a break, and people were prepared for a break. But I think it got a little longer because uh, basically I've been out sick, and uh, you've been busy, and there's been a lot of things going on for me, mostly health-related. But... uh, so when you're asking how am I doing and I say I'm better now, that's hopefully something I, that will just keep getting better from this point on. And I, I just want to say a quick thank to everybody because I, I haven't posted about this on the Great Divide group, but I posted some on my personal page and got a ton. I mean, I, I'm talking hundreds of get well messages, really mm-hmm. um, nice get well messages from people who listen. And I didn't think that so many people cared. And I was weeping and and crying and being all touched and <laughs> and and mushy so thank you all for that it really uh is a good moral boost to uh, to receive them and if i didn't get back to everybody just bear with me it's it's been overwhelming and i've been late getting back to everybody's messages but there's one funny side effect of being a big country fan that i have to mention uh in this context which is that we have this slogan stay alive so <laughs> i post updates about my health on the thing and People will chime in, get well soon, Swine, stay alive. <laughs> and then other people start saying, stay alive? Man, how bad is he? <laughs> so I had a couple of those, but that's uh, it's all good, man. That's funny. Did I send you a get well uh, wish? Uh, I'm sure you did. <laughs> I will just take that just, for granted. I'm just teasing. Yes, I did. Yeah, I'm glad you're, glad you're getting back on track. So at least physically, yeah. We'll see about the mental side of things as we progress today. Let's be realistic. 
Yeah, so I mean, we're back, and we we had some plans uh, for this first episode back, and it, it, with uh, some interview plans, it didn't quite work out for us. So Svein and I are kind of improvising. We're going to be doing some interesting uh, returned an interesting return to the egg timer format today. It should be a lot of fun. We have a lot of questions that were unanswered from the Yuletide episodes. We have other questions that we we thought we would um, jump into here and, and take a crack at answering. So it should be a fun, fast-paced episode, but before we do that, we do have some really topical things that have been happening over the last couple of weeks in the big country world. Um, a lot of new music has been put out there by people who are either in big country right now or were in big country, and probably the, the best place to start, I think, with that is with Tony's band, Dog. Um, they've just released a new album called Histories, and... Um, and is it is it called Dog or is it Dogs or Gods? The interesting thing is, when they released their first album in 2010, it was always Dog. But Dog in all caps, which kind of hinted at this could be an acronym. But now they're going That's out right. and saying Dogs or Gods. And it's like, okay, we're finding out seven years later what the acronym stands for. So uh, it is Dogs or Gods, but Dog is the name I think that's going to stick. Okay. Yeah, and it, it just came out recently on iTunes everywhere, and I think a CD version is going to be coming soon. But um, I, I listened to it a couple of times. I bought it on iTunes, and I've been listening to it. I, I need to listen to it more. But first impressions are I, re- I really like it. I think it's a, it's a good release. Um, it, it's more dominated by the guitarist in the band, I think, whose name is uh, – let's see. What is his name? Tom. Tom Norden, yeah. How another can I forget Tom. that first name? It's another Tom, and he is another. He's a good guitar player as well. Um, interesting songs from this guy. He's got kind of a really low, deep, uh, guttural almost voice, but I, I like it. And um, his guitar playing is great. It's it's very much a classic rock type of feel about the whole album. It's you're not going to find a lot of Celticy, big country type sounds on it, but really you shouldn't expect that. It's a completely different different animal, but. Um, some of the tracks you might have heard before. I know Tony has released a couple here and there as they've been working on these things. But the final production is really good. I, I, in fact, I think it's the best produced album that I've heard uh, from Tony since leaving the band, You know, including any of his solo stuff. It just has a really nice sound to it, a great production to it, really well mixed. Um, a lot of epic songs that kind of span seven minutes plus i think there's one that's even more than eight minutes there's even a little ebo on there which is nice um but tony i think sings about four of the 13 songs maybe five not sure offhand but uh he he definitely sings the fewer amounts and norden most of the songs are are norden's um and he's singing most of them but uh it's a good album it's a really good album and so i I encourage you guys to support it and buy it it's um you know even if you're just initially buying it because you want to support tony i think that that's a good reason to buy it but you'll also be getting something that i think you'll really like i really like it so i'm looking forward to listening to it more and getting more into it
I, I wrote a pretty long review of it on uh, on the Great Divide Facebook page right after I listened to it. So if you want to go there and check that out, I don't think anyone else has written any kind of review that I've seen that's kind of that in depth. But if you're looking for something to give you an idea of what to expect, that might give you some. Um, and I, I did have one complaint on the first listen, and that was, and, and Tony even said this before I listened, so I was kind of expecting it. And that is his bass playing isn't quite what we remember in big country as far as being all over the place and great classic Tony run bass runs everywhere. And it's, it's great bass playing, but it's very simplistic. And I remember a quote that he had talking about this album saying that he wanted to, wanted his bass playing to be more simple on this and that he thought it suited the songs better. So, you know, more power to him, more power to, to what he decided to do. But, uh, yeah, I, I, I can't, I can't lie. I, I did have this selfish uh, desire to hear the some of those classic Tony moments, and there are actually a couple <laughs> where you hear like this little run high up on the bass, and you think, "Oh, that's that's the Tony I remember." But a lot of it is just kind of the meat and potatoes, root notes playing, and uh, but it's great. It do, and it does fit the songs well. And yeah, uh, so just, yeah, check that out. Have you listened to any of it yet, or are you holding out for the CD? Well, I listened to it when uh, when it was part one. And the coming part two, then there were no CD plans. So I thought, okay, what the heck? I have no choice. So I've been listening to the part one on Spotify. And then they announced the CD and I dropped it like a hot potato. I'm just waiting for the CD now. So I haven't listened to part two. I'm kind of old-fashioned that way. But uh, I I think it's very much a band sound and everybody playing together as a, as a unit with a more classic rock type uh, sound, which is fine with me. That's a, a lot of what I like. It comes from that. Uh, my favorite in part one is the All About the Money song, definitely, which is one of Tony's uh, vocals. That's got a fantastic groove and a great guitar riff too that just runs through it. But um, I'm curious uh, to hear the remaining songs because I think some of the the epic one you mentioned are part of that uh, the batch that was part two yeah and part one and two do they do they together make the full album is that how that worked yeah they pretty much ditched the parts when they uh, decided for the CD okay okay just wanted to be clear on that yeah there are a lot of, a lot of things about that release that I wasn't totally clear <laughs> on the name of it to the part one and two but the full album is called histories. Uh, which reminds me of a little bit of the Michael Jackson release years ago, History. But uh, it, it's it's a good album. It's definitely a good album. And that kind of brings us to some uh, interesting news that we've gotten since we've done our last show. And those of you who are a part of the Facebook page will know this already. But those of you who aren't, this this might be good news for you. It's good news for us. And that is that it looks like Tony is not only willing, but really wants to be on our show at some future point. Uh, he made a post on his personal page at kind of around the time that the dog stuff was being released that he's working on something else. And uh, what it seems to be is we don't have confirmation of this, but it seems pretty obvious based on some things that he said that it seems to be a book about his life, an autobiography, perhaps a memoir, perhaps about his time. I'm assuming not just in big country, but probably in the music business in general, but obviously uh, we can safely assume that a good chunk of that is going to be about big country. So it, it looks like that's coming. Now, when that's coming, I don't know. But he himself put it out there saying, I want to be on the show and I will be on your podcast when the time is right. He kept saying when yeah. the time is right. That, that's that been his mantra 
for, for has, many years. It, it has. <laughs> for many it really years. has. And the funny thing about that interview was that uh, he started out saying, only dog questions, please. Only dog questions. And I'm not talking yeah, about yeah. big country now. And then gradually he let things slip and he left breadcrumbs. And I guess he kind of enjoyed being asked about certain things. He enjoyed people's curiosity and enjoyed that we were interested in potentially what was coming. And then, then he started right, right. getting more and more firm as, as the night get on. But then he also let go that connected with that release or with that book, that is also the time to start talking about things that have happened. And then I think at one point he said, you better get ready. I have a lot to get off my chest. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, we are ready. Yeah. I can't wait. I yeah. can't wait. And And to be honest, I mean... I definitely would like to talk to him about these other things as well, dog and everything else. But the idea of him coming on, you know, to promote what might be a book about his time in big country and talking about those stories. That's just like uh, geek, big country geek nirvana, <laughs> almost just the idea of that. So all we can say is the first time we had Bruce on, he was on for four hours. <laughs> for the first time we had Mark on, he was on for three and a half hours. Oh. So um, those are the ones we have. Maybe he can beat the record. I know. Who, who knows? We'll see. <laughs> Maybe we'll see. we can we'll beat see how record. much he's willing to put up with. Yeah. We don't know for sure, but uh, yeah. So that that's really exciting. So we'll see. Uh, we'll see what happens. Um, but a lot of new stuff happening with Tony, and it's great to see him really coming back to music and embracing music. Because when we first asked him to be on the show a, n- a number of years ago. He really made it clear that he wasn't even interested in, in music right now and wanted to completely stay away from it and didn't feel like talking about it. And he was very polite about it, but um, it's obvious that that's changed and it's nice to see. It's great to see because he he belongs in music clearly and, and no matter how old anyone is, if that's still a part of who they are, they need to keep doing it. And it's great to see him doing it and, and going back into that well. So. We'll see what happens with Tony, so stay tuned to the show, to the page, and as soon as we know, we'll let you guys know, obviously. But um, the other big news is, of course, the Skids, and they have a big tour coming up. They have an album coming out um, in the near future called Burning Cities that's uh, the result of a pledge campaign that a lot of people have pledged for, including myself and, of course, including Svine, and we're anxiously looking forward to that. Now, they've, they've actually released a song from that album uh it's called a world on fire and it was released on their pledge music music can, uh, page you could hear the entire thing if you had pledged for the album if you hadn't you could hear a snippet of it but uh they did release that and it was an interesting tune it got a, it, it got an interesting um reception some people loved it some people had criticisms of it uh but one thing bruce has since has since said is that the version that was put up there was not the final version of the song. It was a, it was a unmixed really version. And I think his exact words were, they just, the pledge campaign people wanted something. So they just recorded something very quickly. I think he said, even they just threw the faders up, meaning that they just recorded, uh, put out a very, very rough, quick mix of it. So that is not the final version of the song, but, it's uh, it's it's an interesting tune, and and one of the in, mo- more interesting things about it was something that I'll I'll take credit for spotting, um, is that the opening chords of the song, if you've heard it, are actually pretty much half of the chorus of "In a Big Country," kind of like the da 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 da
But then it, it keeps repeating that. And um, when I when I first heard it, I knew that sounded familiar. And maybe maybe after three or four listens, I was like, "That's in a big country. That's the chord progression of that." And I mentioned it on the Facebook page. And like an hour, well, a couple hours later, I got an email from Bruce saying, "You bastard! You spoiled. The, you said where that came from." <laughs> it was like you, you figured that out. You were were supposed to say anything. He was kind of kidding around, but uh, but then he said, "There's another big country." riff from another big country song in that can you spot what it is and i went back and listened and i thought i heard um echoes in there but that wasn't right and then i was really trying to figure it out and finally i realized that there's actually a little portion of the solo in a great the great divide in there as well was the one so there are little snippets of in a big country and the great divide in the new skid song so that's that's pretty cool and that's something worth checking out um so yeah it's it's it, it's an interesting song i think it definitely it definitely will sound more um cohesive and complete once the final mix is done and but it's the first new skids music in like 30 years so it's pretty amazing and bruce and jamie apparently have been writing most of the music on this if not all of it i'm not sure um but i know they wrote the music for this song and for probably the rest of the album i don't know who else contributed to it but of course jobson is doing all the all the lyrics so yeah i'm really excited to see what the album's going to be like and and i don't think i'm sure i know the answer to this question but you haven't heard the song yeah, the CD is oh, not that. <laughs> Gotta wait for the CD. Even though this is clearly a unique song that I should download and keep for reference, because if it's online, it's not going to be around forever. Yeah, you the, should because this will not be the final version of the song. So yeah. this is almost like a demo of the song. Nice. Okay, so with all of that stuff happening, lots of stuff to look forward to. But for now, I guess it's time to uh, wind up the egg timer and uh, get cracking on some questions. We really, once again, have to thank everybody who sent in stuff for the Yuletide. And sorry we didn't get to it then. Three hours was not enough. <laughs> we got to three questions in the course of those three hours. I don't know what you were doing, Tom, but time just flew away. It was wasted on other stuff. But uh, here we are with a long list today. And it's a decent list, and obviously uh, it's not every question, because we got a lot of questions. But uh, we have made uh, a bit of a selection. And I have picked the first one. We're going to try and be random about a lot of stuff, but we're going to get into a discussion that's happened on the Facebook page of late. And that is about the chances of Big Country recording another album. Uh, there's been a lot of 
back and forth about that and by the way let me start the timer so that we don't go over time on this but there's been a lot of discussion and a lot of comments and I think the comments have mostly been uh, civil and not necessarily negative it's clear that fans want another album it's also clear that the band is in a situation where this is tough yeah I mean basically my comments boil down to this I mean we we all want new music obviously we we want the band to continue to be a an artistic force and to continue to write and, and produce new music and release new music that's that's something that will not change but at the same time, really, we have to be aware of the reality of, of the situation these days with, with bands like Big Country that still have a following, but not necessarily people who are going to contribute to their income through album releases. I mean, albums, I'm, I'm certainly no expert on this, but I know enough that album releases just don't make even bigger bands than Big Country do not make them much in the way of income these days i mean to, t to take us back to kiss <laughs> they they've been asking them recently if they're going to make a new album and and gene simmons says it's just not it's just not financially viable for us to make a new album so if that doesn't change we probably will not do it so with a band like kiss who you would think probably would sell a decent amount of albums if, if they don't think it's financially viable to make an album just think of a, a band like big country who you know who certainly doesn't have that kind of a, of a widespread fan base as a band like Kiss does. So unfortunately, you know, I know the obvious thing to say would be, well, if, if you're an artist, you want to make music and it shouldn't be necessarily about the money, et cetera, et cetera. And yeah, those are all true points. Well, I would say to that, well, number one, Bruce is making music. He's writing music with uh, Jamie for the skids. They're writing a ton of songs. So he says they're writing all the time and they will continue to write. But when you, when you make an album and you commit to doing that, you've got, there's so much involved. I mean, it's such a time commitment. It's such a financial commitment. Um, I know there's the pledge campaign that, that can alleviate a lot of the financial commitment, but there's still, there's still a cost to time that people have to put into things. So if you're making your living solely being on the road and doing shows and selling merchandise, um, and one of the things Bruce said is like, you've got to weigh in, you know, how much, is it worth it for us to take all this time off of that to make this music that people will enjoy, but is not going to end up making us any money? Um, and so that's something that's always on their minds. You know, I know they want to make music and I, I believe that they will, but uh, it's it's not as easy as it used to be, believe me. And especially when you don't have the support. <laughs> Hey, I think I said all I needed to say, but the egg timer got me. But, uh... <laughs> yeah, I had a feeling you might. So the second question we're going to get into is a related one, but also yeah, not quite the same. And I'll, I'll say something about that, so I'll start the egg timer again. The second question we had was actually about Kickstarter, and what mm -hmm. do we think it would take for the band to do Kickstarter? And I'll start the timer there. Uh, I think... Um, uh, I think, yes, there is a disconnect between the, what the band, the realities of the band and what the fans want. But that disconnect can also work both ways. Uh, that the band might not always know what the fans want. And I know that setting aside time for writing is, is difficult. Uh, and I was thinking about this and just thinking, what if we're changing what, how we're thinking about this? What if we don't talk about a conventional album with new material 
what if we do the Van Halen approach? Uh, I bet nobody expected me to mention Van Halen. But in 2012, they released an album called A Different Kind of Truth, which everybody agreed was a fantastic return to form with David Lee Roth. The interesting thing about that one is that most of the material, pretty much everything, is old. There are at least seven songs based on material dating back to between 1975 and 77. And Eddie indicated that other songs had been composed while he was still in high school or even junior high, while other songs are from the first album years with David Lee Roth up to 1984. And these this material was knocking about and I'm thinking Big Country have such a rich history of music. How about doing a final version of I Am A Small Republic? How about digging deep into the rarities and doing an album with that kind of stuff? No writing required, just rehearsal. Or how about just taking a song like From Here To Eternity From Peace In Our Time, doing the original band version with no keyboard shit and synclavier sampling and just making it the version they heard in the studio. So there are things you can do to put out a product that, uh, you know, bash it out. But I think primarily the thing about the Kickstarter is the band can just put an amount on it. What would it take? How much does it cost? How much do we need to make? Right, that is the target. If you don't meet the target, it doesn't happen. Nothing is lost. And then you can say, at least we tried the support wasn't there. So I think that's uh, important to say. Kickstarter doesn't mean that you just get money in advance. It also means you secure the target you need for it to be sustainable. So I know this is a f- source of frustration to a lot of fans that why can't the band just do it? I don't think it's that simple. But also I think there are some things there that uh, it, it isn't at all encompassing as it may seem to everybody. Was that under three minutes? Yep. Amazing. But th- th- those are great points. I love it. I love the idea of re-recording some of those old demo tracks that never got full treatment. That's yeah, great. They have so many of them, too. So it's just yeah. an idea to throw out there, I think. I think it's a good one. It's a very good one. <laughs> Look at that. I couldn't have planned it any better. Yeah. It, it was almost like I knew it was going to, to hit the... <laughs> All right, we have an interesting one from Peter Basford. Which tour would you say has been Big Country's best one? With Stuart, and then since reforming without him. Is this me? It's anyone. Do you have a a favorite? Well, I I know we often talk about the Steel Town tour as being the one that we wish that we could have seen, and I I would stick to that. But I have to admit that there's something very mysterious to me about the Under Wraps tour of 87. Mm Mm-hmm. And I love the recordings of that when they were doing the Peace in Our Time songs in their very rough state and they were smaller gigs and they were doing stuff like playing harmonica live and uh, they were kind of in between that interesting period, in between the Seer and Peace in Our Time where things could have gone in so many different directions after that. So uh, I I love the Under Wraps tour. I I love listening to those shows and the band seemed really on fire. They seemed like they were really hungry. And uh, I, I recently saw somebody uncover a, a T-shirt from one of those tours, and they posted it on our page. That's right, yeah. And I thought, that's great. I, that that, that kind of gave me chills. I would have loved to have seen those shows. Yeah, those were something else, especially the the unique versions of the songs. It, it, sat, it sort of gave us the blueprint for how they saw them and how perhaps they, they thought they would sound. And uh, 
well, we, we beat yeah. that one to death in uh, in recent episodes before Christmas. <laughs> but uh, yeah, the under wraps is a very good point. I was thinking the Buffalo Skinners is a very special tour, just mm. based on the great album they had in the can, the real attempt at breaking America with remorseless touring and appearances on, on Leno and everything. That seemed to be a very exciting time to uh, to jump on and uh, and uh, and just see them. And I know you saw them on that tour, so I'm sure you can probably attest to that. It was amazing. Uh, I do come back also to the Steel Town tour, um, especially since they played seven songs from that album at various points during those two months it lasted. And just because it was so very clearly prematurely cut short after just two months, there's something about it. Uh, but yeah, I have to agree. Uh, under wraps, probably would would rate higher than than that. So those yeah. are the tours that I immediately thought of when I saw that question. Definitely. As far as without Stewart, I, I would have to go first with the Journey tour because that holds a special place for me. Obviously, it's when I opened for them and jumped on stage with them, so that was awesome. And I thought Mike did a great job. But I think Simon's doing a great job too. I, I really liked what I what I heard and saw on, online of the Steel Town shows where they did that in its entirety. That was very impressive. Yeah, and uh, and the Seer as well. So, but the Mike one holds a special place in my heart uh, personally. So I think that's as much as I would li- like to see the Steel Town tour. The peak for me is Red Fox, just as far as single song goes. Yeah, and potentially Sailor. Just those two songs. All right. Nice. I like this egg timer. Yeah. It takes all the pressure off. Yeah, or or maybe it even adds some. Who knows? <laughs> yes. I have one from Klaus Toppert, and this should be a quick one. I don't think we need three minutes. But is there an update on the Miller Mix? Oh, gosh. The, the Miller Mix is a sore spot. Uh, there's no huge update other than um, I was put in touch with someone who said that they could help and they could they were friends with Robin Miller and that they could uh pass along the info and they seemed excited about it to some degree and I never heard back from them. I've contacted them and never heard back from them. Um so yeah, I I haven't given up on it. Uh I know that um I know that Bruce has some real to real uh reels in his possession that are of the Miller mix, three songs of the Miller mix. Um, I think it's one great thing and, and there are two other ones. I can't remember their names offhand, but, um, he found those not too long ago. Someone gave them to him. Uh, so there, I know there are three out there now. We, he hasn't done anything with them yet and th- hopefully he will at some point. Um, I'm trying to, trying to encourage him to do that. <laughs> but as far as the full Miller mix, there's still not much movement on that, um, petition although i will say that people still sign it people still find it and still sign it I don't, I don't know what the most recent one is but the last time i checked it there was a very recent few signatures on it so it's something that i still think about and to me the biggest problem is just finding someone to send it to who can yeah. do something i don't know who that would be and so if there's anyone out there listening who knows anyone at universal or who knows someone it really probably would have to be universal who that could be sent to let me know let's find know um that give us some contact info because that's really the missing key right now the missing puzzle piece is finding someone to get that petition to and say look what what this uh look what this fan base wants 
um, can this happen? What what has to happen in order for this to be, you know, looked at and to get some sort of answer? And uh, mm-hmm. I don't I don't know how to find that person. So, you know, it's 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 ongoing. It's not a it's not something you've given up on, but it's it's um, no huge movement has been made on it, unfortunately. No, it's not really down to us, really. We can't. Um, I guess we can show up with our gun and force them to release it. And that seems to be what we need to do. I mean, who would have thought that the most difficult thing wasn't to actually find these mixes, but to get them to release them? That's, it boggles the mind. They, they have them yeah. sitting there, not doing anything with them. Well, Gosh. and I doubt they know anything about them. You know, I, I doubt the people that need to do it even know they exist. So, I thought that uh, perhaps with the clout that Kate Bush would have, perhaps a little bit more than big country that her involvement also would weren't doing something with it but we'll see that's yeah. probably an untapped possibility yep all right that was right on time right on time we're done with that one nice. uh, right i have a fun one here and this is based on a recent discussion on the great divide facebook page the skids or skids <laughs> and that was you who started that thread. <laughs> That's right. And it, would you have thought that the discussion would take off the way it did? <laughs> I got to admit that was a pretty amazing discussion, and it was it was kind <laughs> of one of those discussions that uh, if, if you've seen the old Star Trek episodes, it reminds me of of like Kirk trying to throw a computer into a logic loop and destroy it and make it uh, self destruct because he just kept going. The skids, skids. Some say the, some say skids. Some of the posters say the skids. Some of the official posters say the skids. Some of the official posters say skids. So <laughs> I, I still am not 100% sure, um, but I, I'm 90% sure it's really skids. But, you know, we're just going to naturally say the skids. Yeah. Well, there's uh, there are situations where it's grammatically uh, sort of you need to have a the. But uh, when you just right. say the band name on its own, that's a different thing. Because any band will sometimes have a the in, in the right sort of type of sentence. Yeah. But if you go back to all the original album covers, and that is the gospel to me, there was never the skids on a single one. All the singles, all the album covers, it's just skids. Yeah, that's true. Uh, and it's only in recent time. And, and, you know, interestingly, as much as Richard Jobson likes to say the skids, the new album cover just says skids but the tour <laughs> posters say the skids so uh, so i don't know anymore <laughs> it's <laughs> it's uh, very inconsistent and what i would have liked what i would have actually thought as a cool thing is that the original skids with stewart was skids and the new skids was the skids that would have mm. somehow made sense to me uh, but uh, no i have a good point yeah, well, that it's it's a way, I guess, for me to sort of make it okay and accept that it's now the skids or everybody's saying it. But I well, guess let me turn it this way: like, what what do you personally prefer, the skids or skids? Well, I'm just skids now. It's always been skids to me. Right. And I follow another band that's in the exact same situation. There's a band called Strobs, and people will just put the Strobs. But at least uh, in that regard, all the band members are just pure with calling it Strobs, but they never con- uh, correct fans. They never go after one and saying, you should drop the the 
it's just drops. <laughs> but it's the exact same thing. Some bands just uh, operate like that or drop the the on purpose. It's an yeah. artistic thing. Well, it's like when they have an album that comes out, you say, did you get the new Skids album? So you don't say, did you get the new The Skids album? But you yeah. also say, there's a new album by The Skids. You don't really say naturally, there's a new album by Skids. <laughs> That's true. We could talk about that for an hour, I'm sure. But uh, instead, at this point, we shall move on. Thankfully. And uh, yes, so there is, uh, we have a complaint, really, or it's a mixture of a complaint. The complaint is directed towards me, and Good you're job. being turned at for an opinion. And this concerns the song Sling It. So I Ooh, was too harsh with one. Sling It on the covers discussion. What do you think about Sling It, Tom? Oh, you're putting me on the spot. Well, the question is for you. Like, Svein was too harsh with it. How do you feel about it? I'm trying to take myself back to that episode of which I was not a part. Um, I think I remember laughing as I listened as <laughs> to your description of the song. I remember there were some funny, funny comments on it. I, I'm not a big fan of it. I'll be honest with you. I don't hate it by any stretch, but there's something about Steve, Steve Harley. That's his name, right? Steve yeah, Harley. That's it. There, there is something about his voice in the upper registers that sort of grates <laughs> on me. That's exactly um, what I said. It's, it's his voice. Yeah. I, I find a ton of things to like about the song, but it's the voice that, that kind of makes it unlistenable almost. It's got a very all-along-the-watchtower feel, as I recall, that song structure. Yeah, a little uh, bit more ferocious perhaps, but yeah, I see that. Yeah, I mean, I could take it or leave it. I, I remember hear, hearing it and, and not thinking much either way. And I, I guess I'd have to lean toward the negative based on uh, on on the voice. Um, I know that I know that he has got a pretty big history in the UK for Cockney Rebel and yeah. other stuff that he did. I never heard any of that stuff. Uh, I think after I heard Sling It and became aware of him, I went back and listened to some of it, and I didn't really like it much. What I heard, uh, although I love that name, <laughs> Cockney Rebel. I think that's an awesome name. But um, yeah, I I, I guess. I guess as much as I would love to say otherwise, I have to side more with my podcasting partner here. Wow. So there's no support to to be found with with any of us. So, <laughs> well, uh, like I said, I, I do like a lot of the stuff that is going on in the song. And I think Johnny Valentino has a particularly dramatic violin part that I just, I, I can get into that. Yeah. But then he starts singing. But I'm thinking maybe I should, devote myself a bit more to getting into the song and understanding its nature. So maybe I should how about this? When we have hung up for today, I'll pull up the song and I'll sing a version of the song and be Steve Harley and channel Steve Harley. Oh, and, I would love to hear it. And, and, will, put, and you will include it on the podcast? I can include it on the podcast. Why the hell yes. not? So, th and when I have done that and channeled Steve Harley I will appreciate his vocal so much more and see a newfound love for Sling It. I think you should sing it. You should sing it like you're singing the song Beat It, except you should sing <laughs> Sling It. <laughs> that, that might be too much for me, I'm afraid. <laughs> <laughs> Come on! Sling it! Sling it! Let's sling it! Do it again!
Moving on. Uh, Andy Ingster has a, a good one for us. And I don't know if this is really as much a, a topic for discussion as a sort of trivia thing that he is springing on us. So what he is saying is, do you know a Big Country 12-inch mix featuring a startling admission as Stuart Adamson sings, I like sex? Blank. Read, read that one more time. Read that one more time. Read that question one more time. I'll read it one more time. Do you know a Big Country 12-inch mix featuring a startling admission as Stuart Adamson sings, I like sex? <laughs> I think this comes from when I introduced the possibility of a lot of songs really being about sex. Then once once you open your mind, these things become apparent. And clearly, young and promising Andy Inkster from Australia has found something in a 12-inch mix. Are you aware that one of the 12-inch mixes contains this admission? First off, this is clearly the fabrication of the mind of a bogan. This is, <laughs> this is how they think. This is how they think, um, trying to pull us down to their subterranean, prehistoric level of thinking. Um, no, I'm not aware of such a such a comment from Stuart, <laughs> but I would like to be made aware of it if it's if it is in fact true. Yeah, because I couldn't let that just sit as its own little question. So I contacted young and promising Andy, and he revealed that it's the twelve-inch mix of East of Eden. There, <laughs> there is a middle section where only the first few words of the verses are sung, and echo is used. Like it's, uh, I was, I was, I was. Would it? Would it? Would it? And I, oh, yeah. and I, and I, I like sex. <laughs> so it sounds like that. It's not actually him saying it. That's what uh, the theory has to be. I think it's uh, the start of the, the line with the lucky card, but it's more the way it's edited. I did go back and listen to it, and it's. I, I have to say, it does sound like he's singing, I like sex. I don't believe. There's more of this stuff in the songs than you're aware. I can't imagine Stuart poisoning such a beautiful song with that line, even on a 12-inch. Well, the 12-inch is uh, is bad enough in itself. <laughs> you need, you know, the, especially you, in light of this conversation. <laughs> if the 12-inches don't sell, you, you know what sells. You, you know, sex sells. So you need to add the sex, and then then it would have been a bigger hit. But I guess it was too 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 little too late. Egg timer, I conjure thee. Sorry, Andy. <laughs> we couldn't uh, get into that one. Well, let's see here. We have one from uh, Paul Barker. How would you actually feel if Big Country were as big as you two? Which could well have been the case if Live Aid had turned out differently. Would you be doing what you are doing so brilliantly and diligently, or would it change you? Uh, yes, Paul, it it would change us. It would no longer be brilliant or diligently. That's, that's what I was going to say. <laughs> We'd be doing it stupidly, more stupidly. 
A more popular band means that there is a larger potential audience, obviously. So the popularity of a podcast about a band is always going to be relative to the popularity of the band. But, let, let okay, U2 was used as an example. If we were a U2 podcast, I think we could only dream about having input from the band members. Right. As it is, we have a ton of input from the band members and uh, our relationship with the band members. We know them. They know us. They know what we're doing. They're listening to what we're doing. And they're giving us lots of input and song demos and sketches to play. All of that would not have been possible if Big Country were as big as you two. So yeah. yes, it would change us in one way. And we would miss that input. We would miss that connection. And I still, I still have to come back to this. I really don't think that even with Live Aid, Big Country would ever have been as big as U2. I just don't think they were that kind of band. I don't think they were made for that kind of uh, mainstream su- success or mainstream acceptance, as you, as it were. Would would Live Aid have been a boost? Absolutely, it would have been a boost. It would have it would have probably you know maybe even saved Steel Town for them. It might have given it a huge kick. Um, but I just don't think they were ever a band that that had the things that U2 have. And I'm not, this isn't a criticism of Big Country, because I prefer Big Country the way they are, but they didn't have that kind of uh, Bono-esque frontman that seems to appeal to the most people. And U2's music, as much as I love the early stuff especially, it is more simplistic, it's more, um, it's more easily accessible. And if Big Country was still doing the kind of stuff that they were doing in the first few albums, I just don't see that being accessible to huge masses of people and I, I no matter what stage they got on so i think live aid would have been a big boost for them and it was a big missed opportunity in, in our opinion but i i still don't, i don't think they ever would have been what u2 has become yeah i don't think all of u2's music is easily accessible <laughs> that's just taste i guess but, no but uh, i think i think u2 is a bad example to be honest because they're one of the biggest bands really of our age so would Big Country be as big as the biggest band of our age? I mean, there, there are better examples. Uh, so I think U2 is a poor example. I get why that example is used, and we've used that example ourselves in the past. But I think uh, there are bigger bands that would be a more natural comparison than really one of the biggest bands of our time. Yeah, well, and, and as you alluded to, we know why that's used, because they were all linked together at one yeah. point, but you know, no longer. Yeah, indeed. All right, it's time to uh, to hear from our friend Kenny. Kenny Henderson is asking us. Oh, well, this Kenny. is an easy one. Kenny, can, can you remind me what originally prompted Swine to say "have at you"? Kenny, <laughs> um. <laughs> was that the fetal position? Yeah, I have a little tear streaming down my <laughs> cheek when I think of Kenny. Um. What did prompt that? That was, uh, was, um, that was in episode the... 31, and I remember it well, actually. Uh, <laughs> that was the episode where we had a rapid fire with Bruce, and we were talking about their touring plans. And Bruce mentioned that it was more likely for them to go to Scandinavia before they came back to the U.S. Uh, that's right. And I said, ha, have it, you, Tom. 
right. So yes, I was the one who brought the have at you to the show, but you deserve some of that credit still because you stopped everything to point out that that was the first time you had ever heard have at you at a podcast. And if you hadn't done that and turned the spotlight on that, perhaps it wouldn't have been a thing. <laughs> so yes, it's uh, like everything else, a glorious cooperation and... I guess it's become kind of one of the catchphrases of the show. I love it. And I think I think Andrew Braidwood was the first to really <laughs> He's embraced it for sure. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, it's a great catchphrase. Have it you. I think it's a very unique catchphrase. So yeah. Have it all. And I will stop the timer. We're just halfway through. We don't need to spend more time on this one. Uh, we'll go into one by... Uh... What? The have it you timer. <laughs> yeah, this time usually the timer has at us uh, but we have a question from Tim Eldred who says for each album there is a correspondingly body of work worthy of its own episodes agree and yeah I think we often said that the b-sides and the outtakes are often as good as what's on the album and uh, we do try to I guess talk about some b-sides when we get into a deep dive for an album. Uh, we haven't always done it, and there's no way we can do everything. I mean, the next album we'll do is Driving to Damascus, which has close to 50 outtakes or demos or, or things that have appeared here and there. <laughs> so <laughs> that that would be its own thing if we ever did it. I, I don't know if we really have plans to do that, or we haven't talked about it, but would it be yeah. worthy of its own episodes? Sure. Sure, yeah. Yeah, yeah, it would be. I mean, you know, we're coming up with the next one we have to do is driving to Damascus. And I think maybe out of all the albums, that probably is the most worthy because there there is just so much stuff. I mean, the other one would obviously be the REL sessions. Um, but really, prob- there are some that really there weren't that many other tracks. You know, Steeltown really didn't have much else. Seer didn't really have too much else. Um, but the others pretty much do, I guess. Um, even the crossing seem to have a lot of stuff. But uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, man, it, it just reminds me of of one of my favorite sketches on Saturday Night Live years ago with the actor Bill Pullman. And I don't even remember what the sketch was about, but he said a line that I say a lot when I'm feeling overwhelmed by stuff. And he was dre- <laughs> he was dressed as a woman in this sketch. He was playing a woman, and he just said. I'm just one damn woman. <laughs> <laughs> that's an outtake. That's, that's how I feel about some of this stuff. It's like, I don't know. Yeah, it's worthy of it. Maybe if we really, you know, get to a point where we really are looking for new topics, we could do that again. But uh, I don't know. No, but it's a good point. Uh, I know exactly why Tim is asking it, and sometimes oh, yeah. I, I feel the same way. But other times I just feel, man, that that's um, we got to find a way to tackle that if we ever get to that point. Because, uh, like we said, we have one album left to do, and if we're going to talk about more music after that, you know, either we're going to feel like we're done, or we're going to have to start looking for something else, and. It's an obvious choice if we're going to look for something else. But it, mm-hmm. There needs to be a way to tackle it that makes sense. And, uh, yeah, it's it's uh, in our minds, as you can hear. Oh, yeah. I mean, we could do entire episodes on In the Scud and all those little releases. Yeah. This Driving to Damascus one, whenever we end up doing it, is going to be just a 
gargantuan. <laughs> yeah, he said with dread. Well, we have a, another question from Alan Smith. The fan podcast is a bit unique in that you have a seemingly direct line to the band. Not a lot of other podcasts have this. Do you get quote-unquote starstruck when talking to the band members, or is it more casual than that now? And what I can say is that Tom is much more into that than me. I I prefer to just be podcast guy. Tom is uh, a pen pal with Bruce. He hears from him regularly, goes to his bar mitzvahs, and uh, plays with him on stage. So uh, Once. Once. (laughs) So always the threat that might happen again. (laughs) Threat, that's the right word. Yeah, I mean, I I still feel that way. I mean, um, it's it's great to have that kind of quote unquote relationship, whatever, however you define that, with the band, and that you know they know who we are, and and we have some sort of relationship where we we talk about things. And but yeah, I I don't I wouldn't say starstruck at this point. I don't feel starstruck, but but there is always that feeling of it, it. It never totally goes away. Where I don't think, wow, you know, this is. I just had a conversation with Bruce Watson and, and, uh, that's really cool. You know, it's like, uh, it's great. It's great. Yeah. I and think and it also, go ahead. No, I just think, uh, the word that popped into my mind was awesome that I just think it's awesome that we have this connection that we can reach out and ask something or anything, yeah. uh, that they will appear on the show, that they know what we're doing, that they know who we are. I think perhaps we're over the know who we are. Yeah. But the fact that they listen to what we do can sometimes be uh, daunting. Yeah, it's good and bad to that because if you ever have something where you 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 know as a fan you're gonna you want to criticize something or just say I don't I don't like this song for this reason I don't like this album for this reason you you always know now that the band is actually listening to what you're saying <laughs> so it's like it it, it uh, I I feel pretty proud of the fact that we still we'll say what we feel. We, we don't sugarcoat things really much, but we might, we might take a little different approach at times than, than maybe we normally would. I don't know. But, uh, the thing, the thing is, is that every, every criticism even is born out of a huge love of the band. And I think they know that. And we certainly make that clear. And certainly the, the praise far outweighs any criticism. But I think once, once you become such nerdy fans, for so long as we have, sometimes you just naturally gravitate after you, you've talked so long about the things you love, you naturally gravitate to some of the little things that you w- would have changed or would have done differently. Right. And, uh, I don't no, know. But we have, we have discussed Big Country online for, for decades, yes. literally. And uh, there's no way I'm going to change my approach now, even if the band is, uh, is listening. And yes, we don't sugarcoat stuff. But we do back it up. And if I'm going to say that something isn't to my liking, now I'm going to have to say why it's not to my liking. I'm going to have to be a bit, uh, or not take a step back sometimes, and not just rant all the time. Right, right. Yeah, and the good thing about having the band interaction is that sometimes they'll jump in. You know, sometimes I'll get a, <laughs> a commentary from Bruce about the episode. So yeah, it's fun. Yeah, it's it's kind of fun that he will send often messages as he is listening so, so, you, <laughs> yeah. so you, you'll get a quick comment to something pertaining to a specific part and then 20 minutes later you'll get another message about <laughs> that part you can just literally sit there and 
pay attention to as he works his way through an episode. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> All right. Nice. We um, Do we dare to have another one from Andy Inkster? Uh, let's, let's try it. Let's try it. Let's see if uh, we do better with this one. Do you think the listeners skip the Great Divide on Steel Town more often now because they hear it so much on the podcasts? <laughs> you know, in all seriousness, what I can say is that I actually like it more now uh, <laughs> because uh, it's uh, it's the song sort of has taken on different meanings, and uh, the fact that it's used in the podcast context also gives it that kind of the net casts a little wider that way. You know, it, it was never one of my favorite songs on Steel Town. You know, there's no bad songs on that album. But it was one that I wouldn't go to as much as the others. And now uh, I'm sort of forced, quote-unquote, to listen to it more because it's used more on the show. Mm. And I don't mind it so much now. I think now I perhaps would go to it. But do I skip it? No, I wouldn't skip it. Do you skip it, Tom? It's an interesting question I, I never thought of, but I could see <laughs> I could see why yeah. you would ask that. Um, no, I don't skip it. I still listen to it when it pops up. It's still one of my favorite tracks. Um and of course, you know, Bruce wrote us a, th- a theme song as well a couple years ago that we had as the theme for a while. And we just kind of it just kind of went back to the Great Divide at one point. But we, we maybe we should mix it up a little bit more over the, over the uh, next few years. But, um, yeah, I mean, the Great Divide just became the natural theme for the show. And when I put it together, that was the song that I that just one of my favorites. It was a song that I uh, wanted to use. And I still am not tired of the song itself. So when it pops up, I will happily listen to it. But one thing is the fact that we have it as an intro. Another thing is that there's a certain point in the show where that song will show up to to mark sort of the end of the episode. Yeah. yeah. And the the closing dialogue. And that's what I think of. I don't think so much of the intro because that's different enough that I I always think of the outro. So maybe it's a big relief to people when they hear that song show up during an episode. They know, oh, we're almost over. Thank God. (laughs) <laughs> yeah that's they probably do think that after some of these long deep dives that we've had yeah and that gives the song very positive associations and so they learn to love it and not to skip it so Andy thank you for your question we shall now move on and uh, we didn't need a bell for this one either I'm going to stop it and pick another one okay I'll throw in the bell we have a question from Peter Basford. What would Stuart make of Big Country now? Hmm. As they exist? Yeah. With Simon, I'm assuming? Yeah. What would he think of today's version of Big Country? Interesting. That's hard to, it's hard to say. I don't know. I, I think he would be pleased with the way they're representing his songs and their songs. You know, we got, we got to remember that when, when Stuart, toward the end of his time with the band, he wanted them to go on with Mike Peters, and he was the one who apparently suggested that. Yeah. So he clearly cared about them continuing if that's what they wanted to do. Um, I, I don't know how he would feel. I, I don't want to pretend to put myself in his in his head, but I think he would certainly be pleased with how they're representing the songs. I mean, they yeah they they do a great job representing the songs, and they're clearly doing them out doing it out of uh, love and respect. And they've done some great versions of a lot of songs that have never been played before. So. You know? One thing you said is is very important when you when you ask yourself this question, and that is, he didn't want to go on, 
in big country, but he was giving the other guys their blessing to go on. And yeah. I definitely think he would be very happy if he came back for a day and learned that Bruce and Mark are keeping it going and the band is touring a lot, still playing to a heck of a lot of people, doing interesting tours, playing albums. I'm sure that would make him smile. Awesome. Yeah. So you finally cracked the sailor. Beautiful <laughs> stuff. I'm, I'm sure that he would, he would be very happy I because uh, Big Country was his life's work. He wouldn't want it to go away. I don't think so. I, I'm, I'm sure of it. Yeah, and you know the interesting other side of that question is is what I wonder what they would be doing if he had not died. You know, if he was still alive, I wonder if they would have ever ever taken up some of these trends like playing albums in their entirety and and doing these other things. Uh, it, it's an interesting question to to wonder about, but um, I, I yeah. think they probably would have. I think they probably would have. Yeah, that's a, that's a likely scenario. If he was still here. You know, would it still taking a break from the band? A lot of people take breaks from the band, and some people come back. You know, sometimes it, it depends where you are in your head and in your life. And sometimes you need a change. And uh, he talked about doing a solo album for a while in a drastically different style of music, and that's what it did. And uh, I'm sure he would have continued to do that, liked doing that. But the big country is his baby. So uh, who knows? I, I think definitely they would have played together again. Yeah, no doubt there in my mind. Yeah, but I, I, as you as you say, I think he would be I think he would be happy to hear his songs again and and to hear that they're still being played, you know, and they're still being loved uh, as much as they are. And mm -hmm. I say his, I mean knowing that other guys had just as much input yeah. in some respects, but um, you know, he wrote a, he wrote most of the lyrics for that stuff, and if if not a lot of the music, so I think he'd be proud. Absolutely. Uh, another. Interesting question. Uh, if Bruce and Mark decided to leave, and he adds, let's hope that doesn't happen, should Big Country continue? So to be clear, this isn't a hope or anything, but <laughs> it's an interesting question too. Like founding members uh, in bands and how far can you stretch it? And uh, I say that knowing that there are bands out there with no founding members who are touring at this point. I would hope that... Uh, Big Country didn't get to that point. But let's say if yeah. Mark left, because frankly, I can't see Bruce leaving and the band continuing. I absolutely just, for some reason, can't. No. But how about Mark? Because I think the difference is Bruce, as much as he hates to, to see himself as the leader of the band, and let's say he's not, but I still think a lot of the activities are centered on the Watson household, so to speak. And there, there's a hub of activity where that circles around Bruce, as much as he is all, quote-unquote, the guitar player. But I think, to a bigger degree, Mark is the drummer who comes in, does the gigs, and takes off again. Yeah. There's not a hub of activity, not a centering of, of things on Mark. But does that mean that it's easier to accept a big country without Mark? Oh, I think so. I mean, I think they've done that. They've proven that in the past, even with Stewart. They will go on without Mark. Um, I think, uh, I mean, it would it would stink for us, but they would bring someone in. In fact, even with their lineup now, they uh, they played a show without Mark. I think they they had another drummer come in. I can't remember what show that was. And Chris Squires. That's right. That's right. And was Mark ill? Was was he? he ill was, yeah, he had food poisoning that one. Yeah, evening. yeah. That's what it was. 
So not quite the same thing, but the, the, the point is that they did do it. And I think, I think they have that show must go on mentality in, in a sense that, like I said before, this is, this is their livelihood. So now, now the other question would be, should they continue? If, if Mark says, I don't want to do this anymore to get another drummer. Um, well, you know, that's up to them obviously, but to me, Clearly, we're always going to have an affinity for the original lineup that will never be matched. There's just magic there that you can't you can't recreate. But as long as the new members are doing things in the same spirit and interest of of the band, the band name and and that kind of thing, you know, I'm fine with them doing what they want to do. And we'll see what it sounds like and we'll see how it makes us feel. Um, What I would not like for any band that I love to become would be just people doing a job. You know, yeah. I want them to feel like they have an affinity, a connection to the music, to the to the not that they have to be like they were in their 20s, but at least, you know, a, a connection to what the band started out trying to do and how they wanted to present themselves. So if it, if it ever became a sense where a guy's like, oh, my job is playing big country, um, I, I would I would not love that because I would want them to have more of a connection to that music. And right. You know, yeah, I keep going back to when Tony left. Because that is the the same thing. Obviously, there were more original members left in the band, but that was a giant blow. But it was softened by the fact that Derek was the guy who came in. Yeah. So if Mark should leave, for example, depends a lot on who's coming in. Mm-hmm. Uh, do you see the band going on without Bruce at all? I I couldn't see that. No. And, no. Unless unless um, unless Jamie wanted to take over. You know, unless he wanted to do that and bring someone in, you know, we'll see. You know, clearly he has a, a love for the band and an appreciation, so. Yeah. We have one from our friend uh, Lee Waterton. Yeah. Big country related. Steel Town is probably the band's most beloved album. However, aside from the production and mix, would you change anything else about the album? For instance, substitute an album track with a B-side, etc.? Hmm, interesting. I, I might find a way to get uh, Belief in the Small Man on there. I, I think that's just a classic, classic track, one of my favorites. Now, the question would be, what do you replace it with? Or what do you replace to get it on there if I had to replace something? Um, I don't know. That'd be a tough choice because um, I love every track on that album. But um, uh, maybe maybe Rain Dance instead. I don't know. But uh, the, the, there isn't much else I'd change. You know, I'd, I would love to hear a cleaner mix of it just to hear it. But even the way it is, is, is still special. Yeah. No, I think uh, the trick here, if you're going to get into a question of this type, is to put yourself in the shoes of when the final track selection was made in 1984. Because sitting here more than 30 years later and rearranging tracks and taking tracks off, you just can't do it. It would be wrong. Yeah. And I wouldn't put uh, Belief in a Small Man or any other track, Ray, uh, Prairie Rose or anything. As much as I love those songs, you don't mess with the album this far into its history. And it's almost impossible to imagine yourself back in 1984 trying to do it then. Right. So uh, so I don't know. I mean, these days, of course, on the CD, you have all these tracks there anyway. So does it matter? You, you play the CD, you're going to get Belief in a Small Man. You're going to get Prairie Rose. All of them are there. So it's almost a moot point. Right, but just knowing that it was part of the original album almost gives a song more um, 
authority in a sense you know even if it yep. is on the cd you know, there's something that you feel about it it's it's a little higher status but yeah, uh, but yeah i agree I, I wouldn't i wouldn't change anything. And, and it was down to the two songs you mentioned it was between rain dance and belief as the two last songs for consideration to take the 10th slot and you know personally a rain dance is actually amongst my top five on that album so i would definitely not take that off yeah. uh, and if you uh, let me see if i think back to the deep dive I had East of Eden at number 10, so that would be a candidate for switching out with Belief in the Small Man, but that was the first single. Right. And then I had The Great Divide as my number 9. Can you imagine that album without The Great Divide? Definitely not. Once you start getting into this thing, it just gets harder and harder. And Heaven forbid they take off uh, something like Flame of the West. Well, I think Belief in the Small Man probably is more similar in tone to The Great Divide. And I would not replace The Great Divide with it, so leave it as is. It's impossible, man. It's impossible. All right, let's see if we have any questions left. I think we've been through pretty much everything, so that takes us to the last Ooh. one I have on my list. Nice. From Tim Eldred. The Cenotaph versus the Scorpius. Who <laughs> would win? <laughs> oh, man. I have problem conceptualizing the cenotaph as a creature and what would that creature be like i mean it could be a creature but i've never i have an idea yeah my, my idea of the cenotaph is kind of like a, a a watcher type of character um almost like a charles xavier x-men type of character it's like me mental power mental powers with the cenotaph he kind of sits in some enclosed space and can and can cause great damage and pain through his mental abilities <laughs> <laughs> whereas the scorpius is of course just brute force it is this creature this animal we've already seen what he looks like thanks to oliver hunter and um yeah that that's kind of the the reference point now yeah well yeah. established <laughs> and signed off by bruce watson so i i think the cenotaph would have been, would inevitably win that battle i think he would he would be able to control the Scorpius and get him to do his bidding and join the join his army. Mm, yeah, if he's a character like the Watcher, and <laughs> I, and I know my Marvel, so I know exactly what you mean. Okay. Then then obviously uh, then obviously yes, it would be the Cenotaph. But I have to think about that. I need to see if I'm sort of approaching that interpretation. But but I like the divide there. You have sort of the the mental power and all knowing, all seeing kind of person versus the brute force that comes at you <laughs> they'd make a good and make no mistake he's coming at you yeah that's right uh, tim you asked that question so i i think you need to design these characters for us you can even take a new crack at the scorpius if you want to tap <laughs> the scorpius show us what their battle would be like put it on a cartoon on saturday morning we need to see it yeah, that episode would be awesome. Yes. That it would well. be. And I I would voice obviously the Cenotaph because I'm all knowing. And you could voice the Scorpius because you are the brute force. Idiotic brute. <laughs> <laughs> Scorpius <laughs> That's all he does. He just says his own name over and over. Almost kind like, of like the brute. <laughs> Scorpius will crush. <laughs> no. <laughs> yes. 
gosh. You suck. Make me pizza wolf. <laughs> Astra. I smell him. I could think everybody else was saved by the bell there. But that's our lot. That's the uh, that's the egg timer for now. Good, perfect. Because I got about ten minutes left. Yeah, nice. And uh, you're doing this during fun. daytime, so you don't have uh, anyone charging in. I don't. Uh, kids are at, kids are at school. I, I took the day off to do this, so, <laughs> and to do some other things. Yeah, and you're getting ready for the scream. That's right. Yes. Yeah. Before so hearing how that works out. I'm going to be recording the screen for my new EP. So I, I thankfully waited until we were done before doing that. But uh, Yeah, now you yeah. can channel the Scorpius. It will help you. That's actually a great idea. I will do that. <laughs> Wonderful. All right, so that's, uh, that's the Baby of the Beast, episode 66 in the can. And uh, we, uh, we are done with our immense break at this point, so it won't be quite as long until we're back. Uh, so we just have to figure out what the topic should be, but uh, we'll be back soon. Yes, and we 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 have some ideas for some interviews in the coming episodes. I can't say for sure what's going to happen, but I think some of them will happen. So mm-hmm. keep your ears and eyes peeled. Um, we will we will have some interview shows hopefully coming in the next few months, uh, and they should be pretty cool. So yep. we shall. See. But thank you guys for listening, as always. Really appreciate it. Thanks for uh, staying interested in, in during this time of our break. And uh, I know we're not a regular releasing podcast, but you guys are always there, and we appreciate it. And we've gotten some great emails from some of you um, in the last couple months that have really been nice. Some people starting at episode one, and uh, people are still discovering the show. So it's, it's really cool and makes us feel good. So... Um, as always, you know, please send us some, some feedback. We love feedback. BigCountryPodcast at gmail.com. And if you want to rate us on iTunes, if you listen to this on iTunes, that's pretty helpful, too. It's, it helps give us give our show a little bit more visibility, I think, the more higher ratings you get. So leave us some ratings and leave us some feedback, and um, we always appreciate it. Good or bad, whatever. <laughs> Let us know you're listening. Nice. All and right. we'll be back next time. 67. So Thank you. Good to be back. Yep. Fare thee well, my fairy fay. Fare thee well, my fairy fay. Bye bye. (laughs) Bye bye. Scorpius out. (laughs) Senator out.
All right, let's go. Here we go. All right. Hot <laughs> pickers. Nose pickers. Hey, nose pickers. Hey, nose pickers. <laughs> Knit pickers. Was sailing through a tempest of fear There was lightning and explosions galore And the waves came out washing and crashing and bore There was panic as we sailed for the shore There was ladies and babies being trampled to hell And the flames flipping happy and sad And a holly-colored moon was bouncing around Laughing and crying, crisis is mad Come on! Sling it! Sling it! Now sling it and do it again! Sling it! Sling it! Now sling it and do it again! Sling it! I'm just one damn woman.